Hello everybody and welcome back to the Station 5 in-flight entertainment. My name is Lewis, I'm here with Aaron, and it's nice to see you all again. Hmm. Yeah, tonight it'll just be us two, you know, talking in the lounge and going over Sims. <laughs> As it has been all the other times, but this time, yes, focusing specifically on Sims. Yes, but like we'll, we'll get around to getting people here, just, mm. you know. Yeah. Locke has never stopped talking about the fact he's got to be on the show. <laughs> it will happen. Yeah, it will. It will. Um, and that Sims, uh, not even necessarily to say uh, the Sims, but we're talking uh, city builders and... Simulation games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, everything from your farming simulator over to your city skylines and tycoon games. And, you know, the... And everything in between. <laughs> Yeah, like you're drinking simulators and you're bartending and you know fighting uh, zombies by building up uh, walls and defenses and whatnot and building cities in that way instead of tycoon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he's referring to um, Arrow's referring to they are billions. There, won't you tell us a bit more about they are billions? Okay. So. They Are Billions is a is a really neat indie um, project that came out that was sort of like built on the idea of uh, the holdout versions of um, various RTS games, right? So you had things like uh, Warcraft 3 and um, Starcraft. Starcraft was really good for it. Yes. Where you'd have to hold out for a certain amount of time, right? And build up your, your forces. Mm. It meant you never really had a... A strategy you had to do like in multiplayer starcraft you have to build this and build up to it really quickly and just go bam 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 okay i then go and beat the enemy whereas in this it was very much you got to play around with the mechanics and they are billions took that concept and made it um the core uh experience of the game where you have to go about building up the most efficient base you can but all of the buildings work against you being efficient. Yes. So you have to build pylons and power stations to expand, but you then also want to cover as little ground as possible so that uh, it's easier to control the zombies that are constantly attacking your walls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And finding your choke points. Yeah, yeah. I am really bad at that game, by the way. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That game has never been easy at all. I mean, it's pretty nuts. In terms of its difficulty, to be honest. It's pretty brains, you could say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, here's my opinion on this game. I, In my opinion, it's not a city builder. It is to some extent, but not in the way that uh, something, for example, like uh, SimCity or uh, City Skylines is, where... It's much more creative and, uh, I guess, more, like, real management-based. It's not so traditional. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's not a traditional um, builder that you would usually come across in, in most Yeah, games. yeah, absolutely. And, like, like I can see its appeal, appeal in being, like, a semi-city builder in the same way that something like Age of Empires is or... You know, Age of Mythology, those kinds of RTS, you build your building, you build your units, and then defend against something or someone. Um, 
Whereas, like, City Skylines, for example, it's literally just, like, creating a city for people to live in and providing, you know, like, parks and entertainment and those sorts of things. The one, the one of those games I have fun with, because I <coughs> traditionally have more fun with the, the semi-builder, I think, mm. because there's a lot more elements that come into the semi-builder, whereas I feel like the normal builders can kind of run out of a little bit of steam at some point. Like, yeah, I feel... Okay. Very much like you, you build this city and that's great, but very much like, where do you go from there? Whereas a lot of the times when you're building those in the semi-scapes, you're like, you build this city, you take your troops and you go and murder somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas for me, I'm very much on the side of, of your traditional city builders, uh, particularly city skylines, um, where for me, when I play cities, um, I sit down and I say, okay, what kind of city do I want to build? Do I want to um, build like a particularly green city or only stick to certain kinds of stuff in the city? You know, and with city skylines, with recent expansions, you do have that opportunity to, you know, create the greenest city you can with like recycling centers and like instead of dumping all of your sewage into the ocean, which is often the case, um, there's a, a like a piece of technology it's literally like a like a what like a little pit that that sewage water flows into and it filters it out and cleans up your 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 ocean a bit you know and that's based on like real technology too so what you're saying is that you kind of like the the methodical i like the I, i guess i like the realism of it you know and like city skylines even gets used to teach uh like city planners and and like those kinds of people who work in government and council like in real life a bit like how minecraft is uh is used for architects yeah 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 it's absolutely an architect's dream you know well what's really interesting about that is that the the game that you would then really enjoy if you enjoy those sort of genres would have been jurassic park oh yes that was the <laughs> pinnacle of like those builder games it totally was yeah um Though a little bit uh, tame for my tastes. I'm kind of one of those people that likes to place each individual bush and plant. And (laughs) I guess you can say I'm quite anal about it. So what you're telling me is that you didn't like the fact that there was some streamlining for once? (laughs) No. Streamlining in city builders (laughs) is bad. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be able to place my bushes, goddammit. I'm all about, like, like if I can make a place for people to walk through, you know, you place a pathway, and then it's just like, sure, there might be a few, like, um, trees that came with the map around that. Maybe, like, a few bushes. But, like, I want to build something more. I want to give it some depth. And some thought, like an actual park would have. I can just imagine you, like, terraforming Mars and being like, i got to place every individual bush these three squares down the laneway. I mean, like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would absolutely do that. If it makes Mars a more enjoyable place for my citizens to walk around, I will absolutely do that. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! But you know what? That leads me onto onto something else. Um, 
with the like Jurassic Park and, and Park Builders, one of the best park builders in my opinion, uh, is Planet Coaster. Really? Planet Coaster. Um, basically, the same people that made uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 um, then went on to try and make Roller Coaster Tycoon World, but then ended up having to leave it, and that was taken over by uh, a few other um, developer studios. But they went on to then create um, Planet Coaster. Um, and Planet Coaster is kind of... Everything and more that you would expect from a park builder. Um, so very classic, and you can build your roller coasters, you do flat rides and all that jazz. Um, but it then has the extra options of um, building buildings around your um, like stations and queues, like much like you would find in say like Disneyland or those sorts of things with like themed rides. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also the chance to place down every individual bush, <laughs> should you wish to. <laughs> but uh, this game really rewards you for doing it, whereas City Skylines is not... It, it, it's just placing it down for looks, right? The only methodical game that I could very much say I got into that was like Sims-related and Sims-driven, right? Yeah. Had had to be Dwarf Fortress... <laughs> the coding nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's very much a simulation of um, of real world fantasy, right? Yeah. In, in the sense that you have all of these dwarves that are just... Like, the reason that game is so old and full of code... Like, this game came out years and years ago made by one mm. guy. For those of you who, who wouldn't know. Because <laughs> uh, you need a... a textbook flight manual to play this game oh there is literally a textbook yeah i have it i still like have trouble <laughs> how do i tell him to move to the left and build a boat again oh i should have like put the code in over here right my bad that's how that's why like nine people died it's because i put code in the wrong place oh absolutely very easy to do as well yeah but but like, that that game is is so well like it, it's methodical in the sense that it's it's simulating everything like absolutely oh my God. everything it gets right down to the nitty gritty yeah like and and what's weird is that you have those games where things that you just wouldn't expect happen yeah they uncovered a Necronomicon um yeah excuse me <laughs> um you went to a you went to a chaos biome and cut down a tree and that tree grew legs and tried to kill you like brilliant um there was there was there was this one thing where uh one of my friends was not at war with goblins and so the goblins are coming in trade and uh you know trade was great the place was prospering everything else like that and then one human guest got too drunk and like beat someone to death oh no and started a huge war oh no yeah i mean that can happen yeah and, <laughs> but that's just like the chaos of of simulating an entire world like there's a hundred years of history that happened before you play this game that is simulated before you even step foot on the map it's crazy wow yeah i just i don't even know and then that's why, like, learning how to play this game is very much a reward in and of itself because you have those stories, right? But um, that's the only game I've ever been able to be get down to the, the nitty-gritty, <laughs> place this bush in this specific spot, you know? Yes. 
um, and very much try to pray to the gods that you don't end up opening a lava vein and killing all your dwarves. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, the amount you. of games that end in horror. <laughs> oh. Specifically liquidly fiery horror. Did they, like, you, you watch a lot of fantasy movies. You know, the, there's a million dwarves for a reason, my dude. There's a huge <laughs> occupational hazard. <laughs> Go keep breeding. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Drinking, breeding, and mining. Mining and grinding. <laughs> and then mining leads into, like, the, the shopkeeper sims, right? Yes. All of the, the lovely shopkeeper sims that come about. There's only two of them that I could really tell you that were, were notable. There was Racketeer. Racketeer? Mm. Racketeer, I can never pronounce it correctly. And Moonlighter. Mm. Now, Moonlighter is Racketeer for kids. Very much. Right. Because uh, Moonlighter uh, focuses on the dungeoneering aspect, whereas Racketeer actually okay. focuses on the uh, like the shopkeeper, the shopkeeping aspect in terms of like communicating with different people and being able to to find the items they need and developing that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Moonlight is just like, I go down into a dungeon, I kill a bunch of things, I bring it all back, and I sell it at a profit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're both really fun games, mm-hmm. but um, the simulations are completely different. And Yes. And, uh, like, uh, Shopkeeper Sims are kind of moving into the realm of VR as well. Um, particularly, uh, one, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but essentially you were like a blacksmith. People come in, they order a specific thing, you take your hammer, you take the relevant materials and just, like... Do blacksmith things. Smash, smash them together and it becomes like a sword or whatever. And you give it to them and they give you money. Yeah. yeah. Like, but with, with, with shopkeeper simulators, I very much see it almost becoming like a near like exclusive vr experience you know yeah it's because it's a very like it, it's a it's a methodical relaxing mm. loop like yeah 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 you know and and that's what a lot of simulation games are it's it's this rewarding loop uh of gameplay like um the truck simulators right yes. like elite dangerous is is the pinnacle example of what can happen when you play truck simulator games absolutely how many hours do you end up losing? Who knows? I was just like, I turned a podcast on. <laughs> I turned the Station 5 in-flight lounge on. And then I just drove cargo about for six hours. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. With like extra options if you want to, you know, like become a bounty hunter or like steal important information from planetary bases. And anyone yeah. who wants to know how well that went can always listen to the Spaced Out episode. <laughs> where Lewis goes hunting with photon torpedoes. <laughs> it was, uh, what was it? Pulse cannons. Yes, that was it. Pulse cannons. Pulse lasers. Still, uh, I still have so many problems with that. I did not do well. <laughs> to say the least. Um, <laughs> but, but, but then you have things like Chipotle, right? Chipotle is about uh, traveling across the country in a really ruddy, broken-down car that you have to, like, constantly repair. Oh, do you mean jalopy? That's it! Jalopy. Chipotle I'm is gonna a have food. To, I'm, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit that. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> Chipotle is a food. <laughs> it should have been called Chipotle. Um, no, but it's based on a real car. Yeah! 
Yeah. Like, because it's, what, Swedish or Norwegian or something? Yeah, and it was based on a car that constantly broke down all the it's time. probably not even Jalopy. It's probably Yalopy. Yeah, something like that. Yalopy. But, like, <laughs> that, that car specifically was known to break down. So yes. someone simulated a game Absolutely of driving alone. this car across country and how much it would break down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a really good sim. It's brilliant. I don't know why. <laughs> That's the biggest thing about simulation games. I don't know why they're great. I don't know why I play them, but I just do. Mm, like, even either it's like, uh, depending on what you're playing, it's like weird physics or, you know, the potential like hyper-realism of things like Farming Simulator or, you know, like those sorts of things. Maybe it's like the idea that you're escaping into a different um, everyday, right? Yeah, totally. Or maybe it's like doing something that you don't actually get to do that you'd quite like to do yeah like bartending yeah yeah uh we both know i have i have way too much experience with bartending games you really do i really do i have sunk about a hundred hours into bartending games and i'm probably gonna play another playthrough of them soon gosh um <laughs> i really enjoy uh bartending games because of uh, of a few reasons the first one being is that like i get to learn how to synthesize and mix drinks because they all do it on world physics with a couple of things implemented so that they yeah, get through the yeah. classification product right? yeah, yeah yeah but like i learned how to mix pile drivers and blue stars and sugar rushes yeah which are all different names for for very common drinks that are like through those games right yeah. um and the reason i really enjoyed those was because i got to you know listen to really interesting stories from different people right and i think that's why those games where you become like a bartender or a coffee shop attendant or yeah you know like the the ones where you have stories organically come to you um about real people you can relate to even if it's in a fantasy setting yeah absolutely like um coffee uh coffee talk has like in the demo because this game still is in development it's great um can't wait for it to come out mm. but they have in the best example two star cross lovers in terms of the fact two quite you know like young adults who want to get together but their families very much are at each other's throats and that's creating huge amount of tension and issues because yeah. like because their families don't want to be with each other, how do they go about being in a relationship that mm. is struggling with everyone around them not wanting to, them to be together? Yeah. You know? And then you having to try and adv give advice for that, right? <laughs> like, that's tough. That's a big deal, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So that's why I really enjoy those, because those things will also come up in life. Like, how often you'll have uh, something that you've simulated in a game and... Yeah, it's weird how sometimes, like, that happens. There's a bit of, like, IRL crossover. Yeah, I think that's because a lot of games are built to try and feel as authentic as possible because we can't live as many experiences anymore as we used to. Mm, I mean, you can't give, like, a good experience without having it based in some kind of, you know, IRL human experience or interaction. I think that's why so many people enjoy video games is because of like not only the escapism but also because you get to experience um all the things you read about all the things you've heard about yeah absolutely absolutely and in, in and in a way that you're very much like attached to it like i've never been more absorbed by something than it has been video games in some cases like you'll remember you read a good book and you're like yeah, i was absorbed yeah. But yeah when you play a good video game you end up being like it's not the character it's 
I went and did that. Yes, absolutely. And like that's that's very much a thing for me. Like I I used to get so absorbed in books, but now video games are my books, you know? Just told in a visual style where I get to input what the character's doing. Well the biggest thing is is that like I think um a lot of people don't appreciate how much of an art form that we've jumped towards because absolutely. it's still like video games are still in this crux of people going, Oh, they're for kids. Yes. Definitely. Whereas, you know, so many adults are playing and so many games are geared more towards adults, you yeah. know, with, um, you know, like deep and emotional stories that you just wouldn't show to like a 10 year old or whatever. Heck, even even like, uh, you know, some of the, the things that you wouldn't show to a 10 year old at all, like, you know, Grand Theft Auto and Red, Red Dead yeah. Redemption, yeah. like... These are not child games at all. No, but they are very commonly played by children. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a subject for another story. <laughs> that's that's the whole I want to be older than I am kind of problem. Yes, and also uh, parents who don't do video games just not really checking the content of the stuff that they get the kids. Yeah, I have to I have to give credit where credits due. Like. My parents very much were like, you need to... like they, they mediated the games I could play. Yeah, absolutely. Mine as well. And I think that that's, that's a stance to some degree on what one should take because you never want to expose kids to things that they shouldn't be doing. Totally. Totally. But the difference is is that like some of these parents would never let their kids watch you know like specific movies because of the ratings on them. Um, but then let their kids play similar things... In GTA Five, Red Dead Redemption, and those sorts of things, and then I complain when it's too violent, or you know, there's a there's a rating on the box for a reason. It's Absolutely. classification board, just like with movies and just like with TV. Yeah, that's I, that's why I do appreciate EB Games' stance on video games. They're very much like you need to have proof of identification to buy those games. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just like you need proof of identification um, to go see a movie that's MA15, for example. Or to buy a lighter, for example. Yeah. I, I, I forgot the other day you had to have identification for that. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, pulled out my yeah, ID. But yeah. like, I didn't realize that, you know, you had to be over 16 to own a lighter. Same goes but with it, knives. It makes sense, though. Yes. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it's very much... If if you need to be 16 to earn a lighter, then why are you playing a game that is way too old for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. With the, the drugs and the sex and the violence and the, like, you know, like, real-world weapons in these games. You know, like, Call of Duty games are not for, you know, 12-year-olds and yet so common. And yet, on top of that... They're marketed towards that those yeah. people. Yeah. That's like why I really love indie games versus like triple A's and that is because you have so many triple A companies like Activision and and all that going for these the these... easy target audience. Yeah, like I mean, and not only that, but like skimming underneath the the classification board to do it, like mm -hmm. Crash Team Racing bringing those gambling mechanics or like um, yes. Star Wars uh, Battlefront bringing yeah, Battlefront out the. Too. The entire game was built around microtransactions. It was, which they very soon changed. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a huge <laughs> thing with licensing issues, though. 
Yes. Um, but like it's 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 weird that they very much are like I understand why, right? It's the money. It, it's very much the money. Oh, it's always the money. You know, profit isn't good enough. Like growth is the next step, and every company wants to see growth. But the issue with that is you can achieve your growth by doing like making better things or bigger things or whatever. I miss the PS2 era. I really do. Yeah. Like that was one of the good examples of like making growth in video games without making like huge major issues. Like without a necessary internet connection. Right. Is something that I will say there. And I get that graphics have advanced and all that, but give me a good game that is like compelling. I will will happily play something that looks like PS1, Harry Potter, and the Philosopher's Stone, if it's a good game. (laughs) Bloodlines, uh, like Vampire the Masquerade. Yes. That's a really good example of of like a game that has become um, like a huge thing. Like the new one's coming out. Mm. And you can go back and people still playing it now. It's all over Twitch still. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that thing is like PS2 graphics and needs an official overhaul and patching for like hours to play. And and yet, you know, we're still like 50 hours for me to download the latest Fallout 4 patch that's probably going to break the game. Yes, yes. I mean, like, uh, how old is Skyrim? How old is Oblivion? Morrowind? People are still playing those. Skyrim came out, wait for it, almost eight years ago. Oh my god. Yeah, 2012 is when that came out. Oh my god. Yeah, right? That's That's when it was released. And we're still, like... People are still obsessed with Skyrim. It's it's a it's a benchmarking gaming for a yeah. lot of people, you know. Which is really interesting because Skyrim's actually not a very well built game. And, oh, and it's awfully built. <laughs> yeah, it's not not only that, but it's actually really not a good game. And and that's a very controversial opinion to have. Mm. Gonna state that. Mm. But the reason I say that is because Skyrim uh, is very much a scenic ride, not an organic world. Yes, agreed. Yeah, that's why I think that that's the reason why I don't think Skyrim is a good mm. game. For me, like I, I started playing Skyrim too late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All things considered, so by the time I got around to it, I knew exactly where. Like I, I bought it with um, like DLCs and and stuff already installed because they later released that because Bethesda. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I bought it with with all the DLCs and stuff, and there were like like two particular things that I especially wanted to do. So I just you know got through far enough to White Run to then like catch the cart and go to the place where that part starts. You know, yeah. And I did that and only that. It's not a it's and that's it's not a living breathing world. No. And that should be something that I, I wish that companies would focus on a little bit more if they're going to do an open world game. Because I would much rather, if you're not going to do uh, a living, breathing, organic, simulated world sort yes. of thing, then isn't it better to have a linear game that I've actually enjoyed and that is very like handcrafted, hand-scripted? Yes. Absolutely. Um going like on that tangent um open world games 
often are just far too empty. Yes, and and in my opinion, with a lack of like good AI walking around doing stuff and whatnot. And I think that leads into the price of video games, interestingly. Yeah, actually. So the price of video games very much fluctuates a lot, as we know. And and like the sixty dollar US is the benchmark of yes, where most games that's are. That's about a hundred dollars Australian. Yeah, that's the benchmark of gaming, right? And very much uh, when building these games, they build open worlds and they stuff them through full of useless, busy work to make it seem like you didn't waste your money because you could yes. spend several yes. hours in this game. Absolutely. You won't, but we want to make it look like it. Ro- yeah, totally. Rockstar is really good though because the way that they build theirs is they actually go about, um, and someone pointed this out to me, mm. they, um, they go about making it organic that if you happen to go off into the map, the game then realizes that because of the fact that different areas are scripted to randomly do things, right? Yes. So you can go off into the map in Red Dead and bump into an enemy stronghold and then start firing and moving about. And there's been no indication to go there. You just went for a walk. Yeah, absolutely. That's an organic built game that I'd want to play. Yes, yes. Uh, whereas if you compare that, for example, to something like, dare I say it, Anthem... Ooh. <laughs> we didn't want friends. Um, which, you know, had this, uh, in inverted commas, open world. But then, like, so I, I played a reasonable amount of Anthem. And, like, the story wasn't there. The open world was just kind of really shoddy. Like, and that's, that's being polite. Warframe. It was not nice at all. Warframe is a free-to-play space exploring simulating game. Yes, it is. And it's better than Anthem in world building. Oh, tons with some really interesting character builds that are customizable and... And Anthem's like a $60 product. Not anymore, it's not. Yeah, but when it came (laughs) out... When it came out, $60 US... Uh, $100 Australian. Granted, though, when Fallout 76 came out, it was a $60 (laughs) product. (coughs) Oof. For for about less than a week. Oof. Um, I remember that... Rip Fallout 76. Do you remember what happened with Fallout 76 in terms of the, the, the full pricing drop? Um, no, not exactly. Okay, so it comes out about, like, a week before Black Friday. Mm. Which is interesting, don't you think? Yes. It comes out at full retail price, and then on Black Friday, it drops 50%. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they, they drop, and that's everywhere. I'm not just talking, like, some selective retailers. No, I mean, like, Steam, it was, like, 50%. Wow. It was crazy. Um, And that was also leads into the fact that Bethesda cut a lot of corners when they brought that out. Absolutely. Um, definitely the cu- felt like a rush job based the, on yeah. uh, the popularity of Fallout 4 in uh, essentially just on, with YouTubers playing modded versions of Fallout 4 and just returning back to it constantly. The collector's edition with the cargo bag. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the the dark uh, Nuka Cola rum that yeah. was meant to be made of glass that got substituted for plastic instead. Oh no! Right, and this is not not just like like it's not good rum. It wasn't good rum, but like no. But even so, you do not put alcohol in plastic bottles. Yeah, so it was a plastic casing around a bottle. Oh no! It was meant to be a, a glass bottle, and and literally they they charged like. Oh, the markup was ridiculous. It was like yes. 90 bucks yes. for this this really bad bottle of rum that you couldn't even pour because of the way that it had been put around mm. this glass bottle. Yeah. Wow. It was atrocious. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but all the marketing material made it look like glass. Yeah. I can't wait for Bethesda to release a full game soon. <laughs> <laughs> wait, they released a full game? No. Which one? They try. I mean, they try. <laughs> and then they get upset at modders who fix their games. Yes. I mean, like, if you can't live with the mistakes you've made and identify them. You know what? You know what's even worse, right? They can't deal with that. And then you have people like the guys who made Bloodlines who package the actual mod with the game. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I do hope that they paid that model. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they paid them, definitely. <laughs> you know, but, like, like even these days, right? So, they, they re-released Skyrim a few years ago. The Skyrim Special Edition for, like, consoles and stuff. It still has the original problems. It still has the original problems. However, they re-released it, but with uh, modding capabilities for consoles. Because that was something that was, like, really missing... Because, you know, the ultimate experience with Skyrim is how much can I mod it before it breaks? PC! <laughs> Which was only doable on PC. But they, they released Skyrim uh, Special Edition. That's what stopped me playing Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah. I, I modded it till it broke. Oh, no. Um, I, had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. So much fun. I had the, um, the rigging ability to, like... Uh, put legendary upgrades onto guns and like oh, edit gosh. all the pieces. I had this like sniper rifle machine gun that fired like five bullets in one shot and killed things. It was great. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, yes. Like I do, I do like what Bethesda were kind of going for with Fallout seventy six in terms of making it that kind of like Ark Survival evolved Rust type experience. They just didn't do it well. Yeah, shock horror. They were trying to just sell games and you know pretend like we didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> All of the No Man's Skies. Yeah. Yeah. Like the No Man's Skies and the freaking all of the promises that are just made by these guys. That happens so much. It's like I can't watch marketing anymore. Like it does, unfortunately, happen so much. But it's just kind of a part of the video gaming industry you know we have these conferences and those sorts of things where these people come to show off what they've done and for the most part they're pretty damn proud of it yeah like i get it and they absolutely should be a lot of effort goes into these things it's just the little bits that you know like really really bugger it up for 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 everybody else for example like given enough time Hello Games would have had multiplayer for uh, No Man's Sky. I mean, they have it now, but, right? Yeah, they have it now. Um, what, three years later? Yeah. Um, but 
uh, a lot of that problem was because they were directly partnered with Sony, and Sony had already given them given them five years to get this very ambitious game out, and then when they couldn't hit that, Sony went, "All right, we're pressing the button." Yeah, you know, it's very much a pressure for profit growth over you know here's something that we did that we really think that you'd all enjoy you know there's a definitely that's the feeling from the creatives and from the devs and and whatnot but you've got your your uh corporate upper management i'm an accountant blokes and and women that are just going all right we need more (laughs) people who buy shares Best Absolutely. example. Absolutely. Uh, that's very much like where the gaming industry goes is that the people who buy the shares, they want to make sure that they've always got growth, right? Yes, absolutely. And then at the end of the day, they kind of get a bit of a say as to what these companies make as well, you know? If you have enough people that don't like FPSs, for example, that publisher will never publish an, an FPS. Yep. You know? Or someone doesn't like RPGs, so they specifically push voting away from those things, you know? It's the same case for, like, movies, for example. You know, you have a board of, like, directors, essentially, not, like, actual film directors, but, like, a, a, a like, council of people that go, okay, yes, we will make this movie, you know? And then you have J.K. Rowling, who just is like, oh, we're going to make this movie. I mean, she could fund a lot of it herself. Yeah, well, the the. Problem... <laughs> I found out something interesting. I know we did. You know? Yeah. Um, the whole reason that the Crimes of Grindelwald series has been a bit hit or miss. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. Um. With a surprise Dumbledore. Spoiler alert. Uh, uh has been because um, <laughs> she's struggling to interpret her books into movies because if you yes. look back at the well, she's not a scriptwriter. Yeah, she writes prose. Have you, if you look back at the the Harry Potter movies, the reason why those were so successful was because of the fact that you know they had screenwriters that were adapting the books that she'd written. Yes. Now that she's writing directly, it's like I mean, like she does have help. Yeah, and she does okay, but it's just yeah. like, there's the reason why some of it's going to be a bit hit or miss. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I actually watched the other day, because it's on, it's on Netflix now, The Crimes of Grindelwald, the second one, st- second installment. How did you find that? Like, I didn't hate it for the most part. The thing that really did bother me, though, was the surprise Dumbledore brother. Whether, yeah. or, not, whether or not that is actually true is another story, but that just really bothered me. The thing that bothered me about that movie was, outside of the false starts and the restarts and the false starts... Yes. ...was the fact that <laughs> that movie wasn't... It, like, there was no... There was nothing to say to it that, hey, this is part one, right? I went yes. into that expecting a full movie and I walked away from that feeling like I got a part one to a yes. series of movies and that I wasn't satisfied with that part one. I Like, it's... If I'd gone and saw The Lord of the Rings part one... Yeah. That's a satisfying part one. Absolutely. Whereas, Crimes of Grindelwald... Despite no Tom Bombadil. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Crimes of Grindelwald... I don't know, I guess, number one, Johnny Depp is not my Grindelwald. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, That, for me, is entirely an incorrect choice. He is 
kind of in these kinds of movies an outdated actor i hate to uh, say it not to mention some of his uh out of career issues i hate to say it but i think um i think some of the the actors that we've very much grown up and enjoyed are on the way out the door i mean yes uh, I, I do think that it is time to make way for some fresh faces there have been some there have been some making there have been some some brilliant ones um, but but like actors like like for example Johnny Depp who have done the Jack Sparrows and the you know those really weird quirky characters that just immediately you're like yep that's Johnny Depp playing another quirky character you know <laughs> he's a bit typecast at this point isn't he's he he's not it's got to a point where it's not believable yeah anymore which yeah. is my real problem immediately i just identify johnny depp playing a character rather than oh hey that's grindelwald or oh hey you know that's the mad hatter or whatever i will say the two characters actually yeah there's two characters that i can believe are johnny depp yes jack sparrow yes because it's very easy. Unfortunately... I mean, like, that is probably his most iconic role now. Yeah. Unfortunately, the problem with Jack Sparrow comes into the fact that they made him the center focus of the movies. Yes. He was very much an amazing supporting character. He was supposed to be the Errol Flynn type. Yeah. And then they made him in the later movies after Will and, um... Turner Elizabeth Swan. Yes. Uh... They made him the main character of the fourth movie, for example, and that didn't work. Honestly, they should have just stuck at three. Yeah. Um, In my opinion. <laughs> the fifth one wasn't too bad. The fifth I one was okay. Okay? Didn't say it was good. I kind of enjoyed Barbosa. No. No? What? No. He made that movie. Like, he, he did really well in that movie. I love Jeffrey Rush as Barbosa. Yeah. However, oh? the whole Pirates of the Caribbean thing is so tired. Like, honestly, it just feels like he's there for a paycheck. Yeah, he did look quite quite done with the whole thing. Precisely. Yeah, his character just looked tired. Yes, I mean, his character was supposed to look tired. He's very old. He's properly old. Oh, which is like really rare in those in in those years, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you remember the last time you saw someone in like, like that film and TV that looked properly old? Yeah, well, that era, right? Yeah. Like the only characters that come to mind immediately where I go like, oh, those are proper old. It's probably the X Men movies, like um, yes. Charles Xavier and and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, sorry, McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart have been going for years they're amazing actors by the way those are two of my favorite people in the entire world shout out if you're listening yeah. <laughs> i uh, doubt it but i have to do it J- james uh <sighs> james mcavoy thank you i was i'm so upset i've forgotten i like he does some amazing work I, oh he's brilliant i saw him in split which right? was terrifying and he didn't get any kind of accreditation for that he totally should have yeah. Um. Like he he took up the mantle really well. That with... that movie, well, specifically him, he deserves like some kind of Academy Award. Have you ever seen the Wanted movie he did with Angelina Jolene? No. It's amazing. So it's about this. It's about these assassins that curve bullets. Okay. Right. Fun. 
I mean, and, that is a thing in real life. Yeah, yeah, but like they, they, they curve bullets round corners and all that. And then they, they go about killing people that weaved, um, that there's like in the weave. There's a secret co- code in weaving um, clothes that tells them to go and kill people. It's like weaves of fate. What? Yeah, right? Like it's, it's such a bizarre concept and it's so cool. And so he goes about, like, killing targets and, like, bending bullets until he ends up uh, being, like, set out to go kill his, um, the person who killed his father. Oh. And um, Angelina Jolene is, like, the, the his mentor, which is... True. That's weird. Yeah, That's right? Like, you should watch it if you get a chance. It's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, I think it came out in 2008. Okay. It was a very like a quiet release. It's quite old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still love it, and I've seen it on yes. Blu-ray. Um, but like, it's 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 also a it's a story about um, realizing your potential and and becoming the person you were meant to be, yes. and and realizing that you can rise above uh, the shit situation you're in. Yeah. So like, his character very much is in a simulation to some degree. Okay. Of a horrible life. Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he goes to work. He very much, um, you know, is an accountant. Yeah. Uh, he's dealing with these these uh, post-anxiety issues. Uh, and then he comes home and his, his wife, like, his his wife is cheating on him. And he's broke all the time. Bloody hell. And then he finds out that this uh, anxiety disorder that he has, that he's been taking meds for and has attacked with... Uh, gives him assassin bullet bending superpowers. Fun. So um, kind of like limitless, but with more killing. Yeah. <laughs> limitless, <laughs> by the way, is is such a great um, freeing experience in terms of like the idea. Really good movie. Yeah. Not so great TV show. I found the TV show wasn't too bad, actually. I couldn't enjoy it. What couldn't you enjoy about it? I just got bored, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I got bored, like, within the first, like, episode. Oh. And I find that if that happens, like, I just can't... The first episode's like, a bit perceive. slow. It's a bit long in the tooth. But yeah. um, the cool things about that is that the Limitless TV series has a lot of um, of different ways that they bend the episodes. Because it's all like, a, yes. it's like an NCIS riff-off. Yeah, yeah, of. yeah. Um, and it's like they bend the episodes and, like, doing it all on a comic strip or... Or doing uh, crazy inventions and stuff. So it's it comes like a fun game in some cases. And that's why like watching it might be worth looking at. But but it is it is slow to start. Yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. lie about yeah. that. Yeah. Did you see um, Source Code? No. With Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Ooh, okay. So basically, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is a guy and he's like on a train, mm. right? Um, so he goes on the train, he's like calling all the women, um, and then like it gets to a certain point and the train explodes. Okay. And then it gets reset and he does everything again. And then the train explodes and he gets reset. Is he aware of it? Not exactly. Huh. Yes. Um, so, um, like it keeps going through and through and through and eventually like after a couple of times he starts trying to figure out why the heck the train um, keeps exploding keeps all his memories from the previous um, like run through um, but each time when the train explodes he gets reset so he can keep going and it becomes like more and more of like a dire situation and Supernatural? Do you remember that episode? I haven't seen Supernatural 
Um, oh. I was going to say, he is cast alongside Emily Blunt. Really? Yes. That's She's an interesting the cast. female. She's oh. the female lead in that movie. And it's yeah. really good. I highly recommend it. He does eventually realize that he is in like some kind of simulation type Groundhog thing. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will leave the ending of that movie in case anybody hasn't seen it because it's very good and a really neat concept. Well, the neat concept, interestingly enough, was explored in Supernatural with the Groundhog mm. Day. Uh, so the brothers, um, Dean and Sam Winchester, are both going about um, trying to uh, investigate a very weird and strange goings on at this mystery spot, right? For those of you who don't know, Supernatural is very much about, you know, uh, looking into the supernatural horror and trying to combat it. And uh, what ends up happening is that they end up getting trapped in a loop where Dean dies every day. Oh, gosh. And Sam has to try and, like, figure a way out to stop it. Oh, gosh. So Dean gets, like, hit by a car and has, like, uh, a piano dropped on him mm-hmm. another day. Gets electrocuted by his uh, hand shaver. Slips in the bath. Like, you know. Okay. Just a lot of, yeah. Similar thing. Um, Russian doll. Ooh, that's a that that's a that's a lot deeper. Yeah, that, like the supernatural one's humorous. This yes, one's like, but it, but in terms of the dying every day by different methods and you know trying to figure out what the bloody hell is going on, we'll be walking into Black Mirror in a minute. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about scary simulation games, though. Oh um, no. <laughs> for those of you who have ever wondered, the dark web has a series of simulation games. Right? So a lot of people like to find out or know what the dark web is. Now, for those of you who don't know... It's, Use at your own discretion. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the dark web is very much the the underbelly of the internet. You have three layers. You've got the, the top layer, which is where we all kind of mess about Facebook, sort of stuff like that, very normal stuff. The deep web is when you go out searching for something, maybe end up down a rabbit hole that you website you shouldn't have really been at. Uh, and then... You know, like if you were looking for something specific, that's what's the deep web yeah, is, yeah, right? Yeah. And then the dark web is all the things that like you're not meant to see and you really shouldn't see. Like the hit people and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's very much the the communicating in a way that we shouldn't. And they they very much explored these things in the dark web games which came out. It's called the game uh, Welcome to the Game and Welcome to the Game Two. Darren, I just lost the game. <laughs> Yes, yes you have. Um, and those games go about you having to navigate the dark web without um, copying all the, uh, the, the issues that come with that, right? Like getting kidnapped or shot or everything else. And um, it's a very interesting thing. So if anyone is ever going to be curious about it, go do that instead. It's much safer. Much safer. <laughs> but those are, those are simulation games I never thought I'd see. Which is really interesting that simulation games sometimes allude to things that you just like don't see in video, like don't see in any other medium. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even um, like these kinds of video games really and truly can be some kind of like um, AR, for example. You know, you've got things like geocaching, dating sims. Yeah, that's a really good example of something I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I once I once saw a dating sim that was hilarious. It's called uh, Speed Dating with Ghosts. <laughs> okay. And it, you go about like go you you. It's literally what it says on the tin. You go out speed dating to one of those events, and you have you talk to various ghosts, 
it's weird. And and then like how sure. they died and and like what their interests are. Like, and... are we talking ghosts like nearly headless Nick? Yeah, yeah, like ghosts like nearly headless Nick. Like, okay, right? Like, how what a weird concept with like great nicknames as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, you'll have to look it up. Like, honestly, that that game is on Steam. It's great. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and those are things that simulation games allow us to explore in so many different ways. So it's interesting yeah. that it doesn't always have to be the most realistic thing. Absolutely. And there is a simulation game for everyone. There's a simulation game for podcasting. It's called doing this. Yes. <laughs> we live in a simulation. This is in fact, the matrix. The matrix. <laughs> have you heard of brain in the jar theory? No. So brain in the jar theory is the theory that every, uh, like Put it this way, actually, it's, it's more you or me or one particular individual is simulating the entire world, right? Yeah. Okay. So the idea is, is that your brain has been removed. Right. And has been put in a jar to simulate uh, the world, right? And the theory is... is Who that, would do such a thing? <laughs> well, he, here's the interesting thing, is that the theory is, is that you're in a simulation in order to go through a series of tests and trials before you become immortal. Right? Because the human race has discovered immortality. Sure. And then um, they want to make sure that people have lived enough lives that they're not going to be um, a danger to society once they leave. Right? It's very much okay. uh, you've explored the life from so many different points of view for specific reasons that it means that when you come out of the simulation, you can then live life as a, as a yeah, citizen. Okay. Right? Does this explain why some people remember their past lives and... That's the theory, right? Okay. Like, it's very much... That's why simulation theory is... Uh, well, that's cue, why my, you... cue my existential crisis. Right? Like, <laughs> um. we're, like, I'm... You know, Lewis, you are simulating Aaron. Like, how weird is that thought? I don't like that thought. Neither do I. Um, I'm going to stick with the Matrix. Yeah. In the... Something else is simulating it, and we are just batteries. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel <laughs> that like... makes me feel a little better, though not great. Yes, <laughs> admittedly. So the difference being is that one we're immortal, one we're not. Isn't that a great thought? Immortality is overrated. Yeah, true. In my opinion. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I think immortality would solve a lot of issues, though, right? Because once we have immortality, sure we're would, able to. But right, is it? A true immortality, does the body still break down? And the other question is, is does the why does the mind break down? Why does the mind break down if immortality is achievable? Hmm. You know, we as human beings, though we like to think our minds are eternal, there are all manner of, you know, diseases and conditions that break down our brains which is our main driving force what's really interesting is that they discover like they the uh they discover that through logan yeah. do you remember logan how they they talk about how uh his mutation because he's lived so long is starting to break down and change yeah, and that's yeah, why he yeah. can no longer do the things he does he dies of lead poisoning because even if you're you know like technically immortal mm. like logan is with the self-healing and all that jazz you know with like it's a genetic thing and genes break down the longer they exist so do you think that means that really simulation games is just our ability to try and live as many lives as possible before our own life fizzles out i guess so it's a chance to experience something that we maybe can't achieve in the real world 
you or, know you know one that that is is dictated because of the fact of our status our income our yeah absolutely lack of access to education we're bees and and cogs in a machine that means that we can only do certain things so i think yes. that that's why simulation games exist and why people love them even though yes. they're very mundane repetitive tasks that these mm, games mm. are also, I really like the idea of bees that are also cogs. Yes. <laughs> Cog bees. Woo! <laughs> I just, I, like, I imagined a beehive. Yeah. And then in that beehive are these, like, like Flying bees. Flying cogs. Right, but, like, they're cogs and they're stuck in a certain place. And, but it's just, like, their little faces that are just, like, <laughs> rotating around. Yeah, um... <laughs> And then honey pulls up the side. Man, that's a really, that's like a really interesting steampunk idea. I'm gonna have to draw that. Yeah, I want to see that. I want to see that drawing. I want to put it along with the podcast and just like put it up. A visual reference for everybody. Yep, yep, definitely. That's but, all we have time for now, folks. You've been listening to the Station Five In Flight podcast. Thank you for listening.